Good morning, Basi. Welcome to the show. Welcome to Courtside. Thank you for joining us today. Can you introduce yourself and kind of tell me what you're doing right now um, and your relationship to basketball? Yes, sir. So first of all, just from Russia. I'm 29, former professional player. Uh, played a little bit uh, overseas in South America and in Eastern Europe. And uh, now I'm working with professional players internationally, mostly in Russia, China, and USA. So I'm currently back home in Russia doing the off-season training with the, pro tr with the pro players as well as some young prospects. Just staying busy here with five, six workouts a day. That's awesome. So you're staying busy with coaching and that, that's what you're doing right now. But you started as a player. Yes. How, how old were you when you just started playing basketball? And um, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, let's start with that. I was, I was 12. Mm -hmm. I just started basketball, but by, by 13, I already knew that I want to play professionally. Mm -hmm. And one thing that I didn't know, uh, I didn't know how it will happen. I only had in my mind that, okay, I want to play pro. I want to be a pro. I want to count. I want to be counted as a pro player. I didn't think about NBA, Russia, G League, Euro League, anything. I just, I just knew in my head that, okay, I'll be getting money. I, I'll be getting paid because I can play basketball. Mm -hmm. And so that's that's how it ended up. Yeah. Even though you're coaching now, you still did this. You still played for a couple of seasons overseas. How was that? And how was adjusting to the different culture and you know being away from home for so long? I mean, it was good to me as long as I have the goal. There's no, um, there there are no difficulties basically. And so, even when I was in college in states for three years, the hardest thing was the day off, the Sunday, mm -hmm. when you don't have workouts and you're like, okay, you can go to the gym, but my body will say no. <laughs> <laughs> so days were the hardest ones. But as soon as I started playing professionally and the countries were Belarus, uh, Mexico, and Ecuador, mm -hmm. all of them were easy because uh, South America, I could speak Spanish fluently. And so it was easy for me to adjust to culture and I love the culture. And so I just felt at home. And so that's, that's the best thing I can uh, advise to younger players who are trying to play professionally somewhere abroad just don't be scared try try to explore more try to meet new people try to learn more about the culture this will help you to adjust and also help you in the future because you'll have great experience right right great answer uh and even though you played a couple of seasons in the league and you played as a pro player eventually you had to make the switch how was it for you realizing that you're not gonna be able to play anymore and was it a hard decision for you to start coaching no, it was it was easy. It was smooth, and I actually had uh, I had two options uh, to start coaching before I even played professionally. So right after I finished college uh, in 2015, uh, I get reached out by the team from BTB League, and they also were playing in FIBA Europe Cup or mm -hmm. Basketball Champions League. And they were looking for uh, director of player development and strength and conditioning coach. So the person who could combine both, and I do both, mm -hmm. uh, depending on what the player needs. And I understood that in 2015, when I'm 25, that's a good start for me as a coach. But mm -hmm. I understood my mind were not was not there yet. And so 
if I take this job at 25, what will happen by 27? Or what if I tried and go play professionally? And I didn't want to have that if in my mind. Mm-hmm. And at that time, I didn't I didn't take that offer. And it was funny. I had I had a conversation with the head coach uh, because uh, the team had the main team, and there was also the second team mm-hmm. that played lower division. Uh, and uh, I told the president of the team that um, I would want to talk to the head coach because the only way I can work there is if during the team practices in the morning, I'll be the coach. And at night during individuals, I'll be training with the players. And I understood it won't be professional from Mm -hmm. my side, but that was the only option that I was able to accept at that time. And of course we had a conversation with the head coach. He loved everything that I do, but he just told me, boss, you understand it's not professional. I'm like, yeah, but that's that's the only way I I can work it out. And so fast forward to three years from there, or even two and a half years from there, uh, I finished playing. I already started working with the players. And the transition was pretty smooth because mm, I had some small injuries mm-hmm. that by the time I get to my top shape, something happens. And yeah. then boom, out for three weeks. And then what I have in my mind, okay, I'm 26, 27. Uh, if I'm out for a month, then I'm out for a month, basically just training, just rehabbing without getting getting paid at all. Mm-hmm. And so this was the thing. Okay, I'm 27 already. I have to earn some money. Right. I'd be able to tolerate two workouts a day for another three, four years. I'm like, okay. Mm-hmm. Do you love coaching? Yes. Do you love getting players better? Yes. Do you love helping reach them their goals? Yes. Okay. That's that. Right. So it worked out nature for you. And that's good. Um, so you mentioned your first offer, you were 25. Uh, mm-hmm. How is it difficult to get players to listen to you when, you know, such a young age? And obviously you still knew a lot and you know what you're doing, you're professional, but there's a age gap and you just 25 years old, you know, just coming in there, just a kid and like, Hey guys, I'm going to teach you how to play basketball. Basically. <laughs> how was that? Well, to me, the age doesn't matter. Uh, what's more important is how you can earn players respect and coaches respect head coach respect. And so even if I'll be, let's say I'll be 45, but the player don't, doesn't trust me and doesn't respect me. There's no way I can help him. Right. There's no, I can be there for him. He'll simply, he won't accept it. And so to me, number one thing was to earn players respect, to show that I'm there for him and I care about him. And it, it could start simply with, with just asking questions, figuring out, just meeting the person uh, on the personal level, not just asking about X's and O's, what shots you take and this and that. But maybe first to understand what what person's background is, mm-hmm. just so I can build that connection, and then it will be even simpler on court. Because at the end of the day, when you're 25 and you're let's say my first uh, pro camp that I worked with, I was the third I was the third assistant, the third mm-hmm. coach basically, and I mostly worked with junior pro players who were 18, maybe just signed with the BTB league or playing in the second division. And so when I would do something with older guys who are already VTB veterans, 
what I could do first was just simply rebound, maybe say, okay, what do you feel when you're missing? Do you feel this and that? And then I would film the videos if I'm not rebounding or maybe when the person is shooting with somebody else, I would film the videos and ask, okay, do you feel that on the miss, on the miss, your wrist is not loaded? And he's like, I feel something weird in the wrist. He's showing the facts and then the player decides if he agrees with that or no. Right. So you're right away showing them that you know what you're talking about and you can help. And this is the mindset kind of, that you have. Mm -hmm. yeah, but at the same time, I didn't want to be, uh, you know, or whatever, or think, or think I know it all. Mm -hmm. Just just given the facts and then to see how, how player will react to it. Right. That makes sense. It's a great approach. Um, so as a coach, you're constantly working with players and uh, the game doesn't stop. It's not like you can teach them all the things you know and then they're ready. There's always new things, you know, there's always more to learn. How do you know that, you know, you can't stop and you, how do you find time to learn new things and, you know, just start working with people and the new stuff? Well, daily, it's just to me, every day, either in the morning or at night, depending on my schedule, I'll have five, 10 minutes of reflection, just thinking all about what I can do better. Mm -hmm. Because now, I mean, people, if they see whom I'm working with in Russia, they may say I'm very popular, very successful or whatever. And this is the time for me when if I say, okay, I'm the, I'm good, I'm the best one, or I'm ready, I'm just, I know it all. That's the time when my coaching will just go down. Right. I'm not saying about people reaching out who wants to work with me, but I'm just saying about the quality of the work that I'll do. Mm -hmm. And so in order not to make it happen, I'm constantly daily reevaluating what I can do better. And so it can be either filming the video, either filming the practices or filming some drills and thinking, okay, how can make this better? How, how can I make that better? How make it more difficult just so a player can use it in the game or easy to adjust to game situations. And I would say just daily evaluation mm -hmm. helps with that. That's great. So you, you're constantly working just like the players. You, you're working every day. You're trying to get better just like they trying to get better. And and I'll say more. Before the workouts, I try to either lift or do some basketball stuff. And mm -hmm. also by the end. So, uh, like today, my first, it's 2.10 p.m. now. My first workout started at 7.20. Uh, so I was in the gym from 7.05. I had 15 minutes before. And then I had 15 minute breaks in between practices. I had three of them. I had 15 minutes mobility, 15 minutes strength, 15 minutes shooting or something like that. And so at least I have an hour per day where I work on myself and I'm just getting, I'm at least staying at the same level or getting better at something physically. Yeah. Because if I'm not able to play one-on-one, -on -one, at least on defense against those guys, I mean, if I won't be able to play, okay, that's fine. I'll still be able to teach. But if you can embrace them physically, that's, to me, that's another level. And that's also another level of respect just because the players are like, oh man, you're like 5'11", not playing nowhere for, for like last four years and you're okay. And you can at least not make me score, not make me score easily. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, that, that kind of proves that you're not just know what you're talking about. You can actually do it. That's mm-hmm. that always helps. Yeah. Um, do you have a crazy busy schedule? And I appreciate you finding some time for me. Do you yes, have sir. any time to watch basketball at all? And like, if you do, do you have a favorite league? During the summer, no, I only watch I only watch the players that I work with. So basically, if a new player comes and I'm just asking what he wants to work on, I'm asking what his strong parts, weaknesses, what he wants to improve. And after that, I would usually watch at least two full games. And I also ask one of my assistants to break down the clips on something. Let's say I'm working with a player and he doesn't feel comfortable shooting off the dribble. And so I'll simply ask him one second. <laughs> a few moments later. Yeah. And I'll simply I'll simply ask the player uh, what he wants to work on. He says shooting off the dribble. I'm like, okay, I'll ask my assistant. I need this, 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 and this, these four games. Can you break down and just cut the cut the moments where the player at least touched the ball or made one dribble? Just mm-hmm. so I can see the tendency. I can see what player does and how we can make him better so as of now that's that's the only the only way i watch the games during the season since um my schedule is not that crazy with with workouts still still a lot of travel uh, but at that time i usually prefer watching cba in china because most of the players that i work with play there uh, vtb league russian second division and when I'm in states, it's usually, of course, it's NBA, mm-hmm. but it's mostly not watching it from the fan standpoint. But I'm also just trying to um, trying to find out what sets teams are running, um, and then if we're talking about individual development, I'm trying to see what players do pre-game, post-game, during the games too. So just just trying to find those little little details because it will help me to get better. And also, I can send those clips to the players during the season. For example, one of the one of the players in Russia that I worked with, uh, we tried to add left foot sidestep when he dribbled with the right and just making a quick sidestep. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I remember I was at, I think Boston played Miami in Miami, mm-hmm. and Walker made a couple of those. And so I'm automatically, uh, I film those. I cut them, make them slow motion, zoom in, make sure I point the details and I just send it to the player. I'm like, okay, that's what we worked on. That's that's how Kemba Walker does that. And now you can see the details. And also why I love doing that is even if, let's say we're taking the same person with the, with the left foot sidestep, I may not want to go and message him directly just because, just so he doesn't think that I'm annoying him. Mm-hmm. But I can at least just post it on Instagram, and I know that he will watch it. I know that he watches it daily. And he's like one of the first people who checks my stories, and I know that he will see it. And by the time he sees it, he's like, "Oh yeah, sidestep. We did it too. I gotta work on that." Right. Just trying to be, uh, not trying to be in front of the players too often, just so they they won't get annoyed. But at the same time, being helpful. Right. Yeah, so you're watching, but still learning. And um, yeah, in, in your professional career uh, as a coach, um, how do you being from Russia affected, or did it affect it at all? Uh, you know, when working with you know overseas players. I don't think so. It just no? it doesn't matter now because 
Uh, I want to say I haven't lived in Russia full time since 2012. So it was three years in college, two years Belarus, Mexico, Ecuador. Then I moved to China. I worked with Aaron Jackson. We were there for almost two and a half years. And then this year has been me and my girlfriend. We basically lived in between Nizhny Novgorod in Russia, um, Miami, and then it just since when pandemic started, we were in Moscow, Saint Petersburg, Siberia, my hometown again, Moscow again, Saint Petersburg. So I won't even. <laughs> We live in Russia basically this season right. most of the time, but we always traveling. And so, when when I see players, they don't even they don't even ask where I'm from first. Mm-hmm. Well, they figure it out later. They're like, "Oh, you're from Russia? Oh, mm-hmm. I just I thought you were from states somewhere from there." I'm like, "No, no, I'm from Russia." That's funny. That's funny. So for the young players who want to transition into coaching, it, obviously not everybody can do it. You know, it takes a lot of special skills. How do you think a person who's playing right now can look at himself and say like, yeah, I might be able to try coaching? What qualities does it take? And if they want to do it, where should they start? Mm-hmm. To me, it's just I had that I have that approach that uh, you can't put a label on the person. You can't say, okay, you can't be a coach or you can't be a player. Mm-hmm. To me, anything is anything is possible, just depending on how bad you want it. So maybe if both of us are trying to be coaches for you it will come up easily for me it will take one or two years of extra work of extra hours to become at the same position as you are mm-hmm. but the biggest advice i would say just find out what what will be your one your one strength mm-hmm. as a coach and try to develop it because at least one strength can earn you can earn you a spot and then later can specialize on something else and you'll have maybe two or three things that that you'll be good at but just try try to find the first one and i mean it's, it's the same for a player who are trying to play professionally just try to find that one strength doesn't necessarily mean scoring 20 maybe being a lockdown defender maybe being a spot of three-point shooter or good passer can be anything so, so in your opinion what is yours what is your go-to thing Coaching? Yeah, coaching-wise. I would say finding out the ways to communicate with the players. Right. That's that's important. I wouldn't say shooting or finishing or anything because it it just depends on the player. And for some guys, we had great success just working on on their shot and improving their shot. While for others, it was just helping them find that balance mentally where we improved very little, but in his mind, the player's like, oh man, I'm, I'm ready. I'm like your league level starting five. I'm ready to go. <laughs> and so just, I would say just finding, find out, finding how to communicate with the players, that's number one. Right. Yeah. And that's important. And what about as a player when you used to play? If we're talking about the go-to, it would be anything first step. There you go. Anything, for anything first step and anything off the, off the rhythm when oh. you have stop and go, something like that. My problem was that was my strength and also that was my problem. I could go zero to a hundred real quick. <laughs> <laughs> I could go hundred to zero 
under control. So uh, when it was when I was playing in Mexico, it would be I could have four blow buys in a row and get eight points just possession after possession. But on the fifth one, there will already be two people in the paint. And in my mind, I understood that, okay, you got to stop and pull a mid-range or three or whatever, or pass, not drive. But it was in my mind. But my body was like, uh-uh, uh-uh. That's what and we're I doing. Had... That's what we're doing. We're driving. Yeah, <laughs> moment in my mind when uh, I think you saw that when Phil Pressey, when he was in high school in, transi in transition, he jumped off two feet and the guy was here and he kind of like, Caught a momentum and dunked on him. Mm -hmm. So every time I was I was driving in the paint, I had that picture in my mind, and I was like, "And you know, four times maybe you you can score in four possessions in a row, but then on the fifth one, it's double team in the paint or two people meeting you in the paint. You're like, okay, that's a bad shot. That's yeah. a bad shot. Yeah, they want to adjust. They you know, can't do the same thing. <laughs> but if I would go back, I want to say. If I would go back, I would work on it, not just physically, not just mechanically, just on simple one, one dribble pull up or two dribble pull up. But I would focus more on one, how to slow down, mm -hmm. how you can just play slow, not just going fast, 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 and then exploding again, but how you can just walk, explode, walk again, kind of like change your pace, but to me when uh, a lot of coaches when they teach change of pace they want to be like bah, bah, and then slow uh, slow i would want to go kind of like the opposite when you're just like slow and sleepy into fast right against so that would be one and two i would focus more on visualizing and i only realized that when i played uh in mexico because i had a lot of time when i would be just on my own and we would live in the mountains and before, I didn't take visualizing seriously, just how how you imagine, how you're playing or doing something. But after, I understood that it's a huge part of mental preparation because simply you can program your mind just by thinking about something. And for some people, it, it may not be that easy. Right, yeah. Those are great answers and you truly have a great story. I'm, you know, as a fellow Russian, I'm definitely proud of you. Proud of you achieved and you play players that you're working with. It's yeah, good seeing somebody coming from the same place. You know, being the position that you are. Well, once again, thank you for finding time for me. You know, it was great chatting with you. Learned a lot of new things. Um, I wish you all the best. You know, in your career, and I'll see you next time. Yes, sir. Thank you, Sal. Looking forward.